Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. It is 106 and a good afternoon. Welcome in. Thursday edition continues on Supertalk 99.7 WTN of the Matt Murphy Radio Show. I'm Matt Murphy, your humble host until 3 o'clock. I'll hand off to Brian Wilson at that time. It's episode 465 of these proceedings. And, you know, I love having I love having met good people in the state of Tennessee over these last two years. Uh, and one of them is in studio with me today. His name is Steve Abramowitz. He's going to be with us for the better part of the hour. Uh, he is with Mill Creek View, and you hear me talking often about Steve. And Steve and I were talking on there. He said, "Man, you sound ticked off." And I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Now you just you sound you sound annoyed. You sound you sound gruff." And I'm I'm like, "It's just my tone. I I don't I don't think I'm in a bad mood, but maybe I am. I don't know." Anyway, Steve Abramowitz joins us. That's good. I, that no, I need that. I need that honest, earnest, good feedback. Thank you, Mr. I'm either going to make it worse or better. We'll see how that goes. Or, or the 30 <laughs> minutes, if you can. Just by walking in the room, oh, you've made my day better. Look at you, smiling. How's it going with you? It's going great. You know, driving here reminds me of uh, this town was built for horse and buggy because uh, we had a lot of traffic on Hillsboro Road. So. Oh, it could be worse. We could be, I don't know. Could be raining like Seattle. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> do, you, do you tell yourself that often? Everyone says, how's it going? I said, it's not Seattle and it's not raining. (laughs) That's true. For (laughs) for those who don't know, maybe have missed our visits together or haven't taken my advice and gone over to the uh, mcview.us website, uh, Steve hails from out on the, uh, we call it the left coast, right? Yeah, leftist coast for sure. Um, You know, they keep breaking records. They're they're now number one again. Washington, first in the U.S. for parents supporting adult children 22 to 40. 71% 71% of parents financially support their adult kids. What? Doesn't surprise me one bit. How, what, what was the percentage? 71% or... 22 to 40? Tennessee is ranked number 22. Your beloved Alabama is 24. That translates to uh, $853 per month per Washington family per grown-up adult in diapers downstairs smoking pot and playing video games. So I, what, what was your experience leaving home? Well... I'm glad you phrased it that way. 20 years it was home. I raised a family there. I got married there, fell in love with it there. The last five years were the worst, but I'm from California. So I got to be an observer of another place before coming here. To well, be not even, this place. And, and I don't even mean like leaving the left coast, but I meant like leaving home. Like when you were it was never gr- home. That was the thing. It was my kid's home for sure. It was my wife's home. She was born and raised from there. She doesn't like me to talk about her publicly, but... Um, for me, it was always uh, an obs- observation, and when I could observe the last five years with the la- the current governor and the future governor as attorney general, uh, which is a layup, we'll talk about why, I had no qualms saying there's better. And so Tennessee was more like where I grew up in uh, Napa Valley in the 70s and 80s. I- I'm just, I'm fascinated by what you just read me about the, the amount of parents that are continuing to support their children. Uh, and, and when I say leaving home, I, I was 17 years old when I left for college because I was a, I was a late birthday. I was a September 1st birthday. Mm-hmm. And so I was a week before my 18th birthday when I had already graduated high school at the age of 17. And I knew and, and obviously I went back to visit and I went back for weeks on end and, and whatever. But I knew when I was leaving for college, I wasn't going back to my grandparents house. Right. And. 
there wasn't really a question about that. Now, did I receive support? Of course I did. Did I receive, you know, food and, you know, my grandma slipping me $20 or $50 here or there? Absolutely, no doubt. But it never, and this isn't that long ago, Steve, it never occurred to me that it was an option to at 23 say hey i'm moving back in it would it was just never a thought no and that's the thing when i moved there from california you know i had a job i would get in at 5 a.m i would get home at 8 p.m from dark to dark i was pale as a ghost probably weighed 10 pounds less than i do now and it was uh, a grind right you're working you're hustling you're out of college you're mm-hmm. getting your career going i moved to seattle well, actually, no, I used to fly up to Seattle every other Tuesday on Alaska Airlines from San Francisco to Seattle. And the first thing it dawned on me, I used to cover Microsoft and I used to go to those meetings and it dawned on me like, what's missing here? And it was the phones didn't ring. So because they're all emailing each other. Right? Mm-hmm. This is before I even had it. I didn't have email. That's how old I am. A little gray here. So point is, is that I think the human connection in the Pacific Northwest where it's gray and dark and raining most of the time, let's Mm -hmm. face it, if it's not raining, it's still overcast and gray before global warming. Thank you very much. But (laughs) the the point is, is that there weren't a lot of humans doing human stuff like talking, communicating, getting married, dating, going out to bars, watching sports. I mean, I remember very clearly when the Mariners went on that tear and uh, had the, uh, tied the winningest record in regular season and completely tanked against the Yankees, which I was glad about because I'm a fan and I got to fly to New York and watch the World Series against the Mets. Seattle, their spirit broke. That was like their one time when they could all rally around something mm-hmm. they had in common, which was sports, and it did, it disappointed them, and it all went downhill from there. Is that Griffey Jr.? Uh, no, that was after him. That was Aaron Boone. Edgar Martinez, he was in that. He was there, yeah. Ichiro. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's good to have you here. I'm glad you're in, in the state of Tennessee. You do Thank great you. work over Great. at MCV. You seem happier already. Uh, well, you know, you know, you just basically your the conversation is making me. Pl- it's pleasing me. So let's um, let's start locally. I, I, you and I have not Aww. talked about this. We've not previewed it. We've not um, gone over it prior to this discussion. So I have no idea where. Your headspace is on the governor's proposal, his ed, what he's calling the Education Scholarship Act. Um, I, I'm predisposed to believing that anything that gives us p- parents more choice is a good thing. Yeah, I'm pro-choice. Um, I'm, I believe in it, in that arena. What are your overall thoughts on this idea? When it comes to education, I want parents to make the decision because one of the problems, one of the things I saw in Seattle was that they stopped making the decisions and they outsourced it all. They they wanted to have babies really badly, but they didn't want to raise those babies very badly. They wanted the state to do it. They wanted the schools to do it. And so that's why you have these statistics showing that they can't read, they can't write, they can't engage, they can't be human, they can't be social. And so when you see Governor Lee, who, by the way, this he's coming up on his eighth year in office, right? When he ran originally, he had his 10 for 10 proposals. School choice was on there. So here it is last minute, fourth quarter, end of the end of regular season. And he's finally moving the ball on this. And he's got Sexton coming out saying, I'm for it too. And he's pretty much a done deal. But what I also notice is that the left, the ones who love to suck at the teat of the public trough, including the Department of Education, are blowing their minds. They cannot believe they're losing their minds. And so you're seeing the news. Our good friend at Channel 5 is talking about how this is a a tragedy. This is terrible. This is stealing funds from kids. How can that possibly be? If the kid isn't present, 
there's no funds. If the kid takes the funds to a private school, the funds follow the well, kid. Well, no, the, the argument being made by people like Williams over at Five and, and others, Heidi Campbell's one of them, sure. um, you'll see the the Joneses, Justin Jones, just, you know, all the rest of them. The union people. They, they, yeah, they, they, they claim that they want to improve educational opportunities for Tennessee children. But unless it's funneling more money into the failure of the system that exists... They're against it. They never talk about the current failure of the system that they're they're defending, right? Right. They're, they're, kids can't read. There's crime. It's always about violence. money. Uh, for those guys, sure. They're not in school. I don't even know if they have kids in school. I think I saw Heidi Campbell has a private school student, so she doesn't even know what the kids are going through. But the ones that are trapped, I mean, let's just look at Memphis, okay? Memphis. That's It is part of our example. state. Nobody yeah. likes to talk about it, but it is part of Tennessee. It's a big darn state. Two mm-hmm. time zones that I know of, maybe three. And and th- it is falling apart. They are trapped. What's wrong with giving them a potential choice? At least try it because what you're currently doing for the last 40 years has been a massive failure. And the National Association of, of uh, Teachers, the NEA, the National Education Association, they love that because the administrations are bloated. The union dues come in. They get to reelect people, which are usually not Republicans, which means they're not in favor of Tennessee values because this is a Republican supermajority state. And all you're hearing is those folks who love that side of the equation, the status, say, let's keep it status quo. You're killing the kids. You're killing grandma. Don't do it. You're polluting the water. Well, that's not true. Well, and if you talk to someone on the political left about it, they would they would suggest to you that it's a money problem. And then you say, OK, well, $10, you know, dollars per kid. Well, and recognizing that in the last six years. Uh, the overall budget in the state of Tennessee for education has gone from nine billion dollars to fourteen billion dollars. That's in, in, I mean, so it's increased. It it's increased by half in five years, and you've seen no appreciable increase in testing stores because I don't. It's not about the money. Well, they'll blame COVID, but of course, this was happening long before that. Well, and and you you question then, okay, well then, how much is enough? And and they look at you like you just ate a bug, right? You're like, well, if it's all about money. Hmm. And if money is going to be a guarantee of improvement, then tell me how much money you need. I think you to have guarantee somebody that, pro- that you and I know um, relatively well from their opinions on this show, probably sitting in this chair, hopefully disinfected, that agreed <laughs> that it was all about the money. And if mm-hmm. there was just more money thrown at the problem, we would fix education. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you that Seattle did that. California did that. When I say Seattle, it's, of course, the whole state of Washington. You cannot throw money at a school district that is loaded with union members and administrators and principals and vice principals and secretaries of principals and all the rest and expect that kid to come to school every day and learn reading, writing, and arithmetic, especially when you start sticking in that federal-funded, strings-attached, CRT slash Mm -hmm. uh, pornographic material, confusing the heck out of them, and now they want to put – even here, sadly, they want to put health professionals inside the schools. So my question on social media was, are they going to be able to write prescriptions? Because that's following the money, like you mm-hmm. said. They don't care about can they read, can they become the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States, can they be the next president like Polk or Jackson. It's just can they move through the system, collect dollars, and reinvest those dollars into your people who will probably elect Democrats. Ask Cohen 
you had you said earlier you were talking about the two Jewish uh, congressmen in um, Kustoff being one of them, one from Tennessee, and Repu- Max Miller. Those are the Republicans. They had two Republicans. But right? on the Democrat side, you I mean, have... Cohen, Steve Cohen's a, obviously Jewish. Himself. And what district does he represent? And he's in Shelby K. He's over there in Memphis. Why can't him and Jones get together and fix education if it was all about money? Can't... Well, and and some of the most poorly performing districts in the state of Tennessee are run by Democrats. Ironic, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's just interesting that when you find the most crime-ridden areas in the state, when you find the areas that are the least educated in the state of Tennessee, uh, there there are there's a unifying factor in, in so many of these things, and those factors involve uh, Democrats being in charge. And let's let's talk about this. So so Lee's been there nine years, right? Uh, going on his, no, sorry, eight, no, no, no. seven years going on his eighth. But has he been there that long? I, this predates two, me. Two terms, so eight years. I has assume. he been? I, I I thought he. Yeah, I guess we're in we're in year six or so. Anyway, anyway, yeah, he's been there. Next year's his yeah, last year, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So there's eight years of so K through eight at least for this education that currently existed, and then whatever was here that predated him, which he's not responsible for. But there it is, and he did run on the idea of making change, and he he won elections, so he's supposed to deliver on that. Now he possibly is, but think of that generation of kids that went through that system, trapped in those schools. Now they're out, right? Some of them are probably in college if they're lucky or not in the working force that have to deal with this inflation. But the key to me is what are they going to deliver to society as an uneducated public school graduate? Because 90-something percent of the kids in America go to public school, private school. that It's the enemy, but there's not a lot of them. So here they come, and now they're going to say, well, what do they do for a career? Well, I'd love to say they all go to work for Microsoft to make millions of dollars, and then they all go to uh, Boeing here, or not here, but um, FedEx here and make millions of dollars. But they aren't going to do that. They have to do something. So are they going to go back into teaching, meaning they're teaching the next generation of kids that they didn't learn anything Mm -hmm. to not learn anything? Or are they going to go into politics and become (laughs) lawmakers? And if you listen to some of them talk – I think that's exactly what happened. They don't know civics. They don't know how the government works. So they get on, they get in front of TikTok and they say these ridiculous things that sound great to their voters, but make no common sense and will not fix the country. And that's the problem. That's where the next generation is a problem. And so what they used to say, as California goes, so goes the country. Well, as California, Oregon and Washington have gone, so go the other. And that's why the mantra of my show is don't. Tennessee, don't California, you're Tennessee. Don't Washington State, you're Tennessee. Don't Oregon, mm-hmm. you're Tennessee. Don't Nevada, you're Tennessee. Don't New York City, you're Tennessee. Because they did it wrong. And you can observe that and don't make the same mistake. So c- circling back to the proposal, and the devil will be in the details. And obviously, we've yet to see the details. My one area of concern, while I'm all about giving families and parents more choice, more options, and removing the monetary impediment for them to be able to make those choices, I also fear the concept of the government becoming involved in private school or more especially homeschooling. And I, I've heard from a lot of homeschool You're parents not wrong. You're not wrong. who say, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not touching any of this money because I fear once I do, I'm going to be beholden on some level or responsible on some level for curriculum or whatever. If I l- allow that proverbial camel's nose under the tent, then here they are and now they're in control of my homeschool. They gave us a whiff of that with the uh, the vaccination schedules that the homeschooling mm-hmm. parents had to, and we had to get Jody involved to to knock it off. But you're you're absolutely right. But there's also 
a key factor that I have not heard talked about enough, and I wanted to bring that to your attention and your listeners' attention. Washington is one of two states that had immigrants, illegal immigrants, up from 2017 to 2021. You'd think it was a a 50-state problem, right? But really only two. Florida had 80,000. Washington had 60,000. That's according to the Pew Research. In the state of Tennessee... They spend $1 billion. Mm -hmm. I have it right there for you. You can break it all down. $1 billion on illegal immigrant, not immigrant, but illegal immigrant um, education and services. If you took that money, which is not supposed to go to illegals, right, citizens, veterans, people who worked here and lived here and saved for Social Security and saved for Medicare and want to retire one day, use that money. There's everything you're looking for in, in Nashville. In, at the Capitol. That's, mm-hmm. that's your budget right there. Stop doing what you're not supposed to do and spend it on what you want to do, and you can expand charters to all 95 counties. Done deal. But why won't they? I don't know. But there's the stats. Yeah, $971.3 million, the estimated cost of illegal immigration to Tennessee taxpayers on an annual basis. In 2023. This year. This year. Wait till so next that's year. probably going to yeah. go, that's going to exceed a, bi- a billion dollars yep. in taxpayer funding. Uh, Steve Abramowitz with us with Mill Creek View. Go to mcview.us for more information on Steve123. You uh, you recently interviewed Dinesh D'Souza, right? Dinesh, yeah. Dinesh, yes, that, not yeah. Dinesh. I'm actually Dinesh. Was basking in the glow of the viral nature. He cut it up into uh, uh, clips and put it out on Twitter. So, yeah, check that one out. That let's, uh, one. let's talk about that uh, conversation in just a moment with Steve Abramowitz. We'll be back. It's 123 on Super Talk. Hi, guys. It's Ben Dieter from Wake Up Memphis, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast. I don't understand how you ever did without me. I don't understand how I bring you down to your knees. Super Talk 99.7 WTN 127. Just to, just to clarify for those on the um, on the super text line letting me know so the governor runs every four years the senate runs every four years the house runs every two years and the governor won re-election in 2022 so he has uh, you know until 26 so that's about two more years um to uh to serve as governor of the state of tennessee that would be governor bill lee and then he's term limited uh we're talking with steve abramowitz of mill creek view about education opportunities in the state of tennessee and and how he can ref- i mean you i you know contrary to what we might believe about a leftist state like washington um they were invested in this some 20 years ago as you were describing to me during the break there, there was a push for uh charter schools i guess then and it was squashed by what union leftists i would assume i mean school choice has been around since at least the 70s when i was in school whether it was going to be a religious school or a secular school or you know one of these fdr type schools whatever so it's been around with us for a long time but it became an actual fight over the hearts and minds and and brains of our kids uh, intensified in the 2000s absolutely and washington state uh being a very union town was ground zero if not uh, right next door in California. So they're all following the same playbook. And that was also at the time, 2004, when uh, a guy named Dino Rossi, I don't know if people ever heard that name here. I interviewed him, uh, episode 14, 
back when it was a Washington only uh, 200 episodes ago. But do you remember my episode number? Uh, yeah, because I will always remember the one that was missing. It was 81. It's also my football <laughs> high school fasc- jersey number. It's fascinating <laughs> that you can remember all of these episode numbers. Yeah, well, that in Dinesh D'Souza since it was yesterday, but yeah. Um, Which episode was that, Dinesh? 154, I believe. So 154 of them. Yeah. Man, oh, man. And they said it wouldn't last, Steve. They said, what do you think you're doing? I said, "If I'll get, I'll be so rich. I haven't been paid a cent. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if somebody told you that, they need to be whipped because that's yeah. not radio and pot. That, that, it, it's not a money-making operation. No, it was that. you. You lied to me. <laughs> right, right. No. Sure. Lovers uh, of truth. Only well, let, let me take a, uh, we have to take another quick time out. And when okay. we come back, I do want to ask you about Dinesh and, and how that conversation went. And if you've seen, I've not seen Police State. I did. And you have. It would be a podcast dereliction of duty not to have seen it first. So I would yes. think so, uh, because obviously you would have to discuss it. So I want to ask you about that and then ask you how the conversation went and uh, and get your thoughts on some presidential politics as well. Can't wait. Uh, we were discussing that in the first hour. It's one thirty. Super Talk 99.7 WTN. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard, dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. Hi, I'm Phil Johnson from Grace to You, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View Tennessee Podcast. Super Talk 99.7 WTN 135. Halfway home, Matt Murphy show, episode 465 of the proceedings. Until 3 o'clock, we hand off to Brian Wilson at that time. Glad to have you with us. 615-737-9986. 615-737-WWTN. Jim has a question on the scholarship front. Why uh, does the school scholarship have to be renewed every year? I don't. I don't know that I've seen that level of detail. I don't know that anyone has seen that level of detail. We have the basic parameters of what they're trying to do, but uh, until the General Assembly gets their meat hooks into all of this, we don't really know yeah. how all of this is going to We don't shake. even know how they spend the lottery money, so how are we going to know how they're going to spend the money that isn't on paper <laughs> yet and where it's going to come from? So so that, that remains to be seen, uh, Jim. If you have any questions or thoughts for uh, myself or my guest, Steve Abramowitz of Mill Creek View, then uh, by all means give us a call. I asked, um, uh, you, you had uh, Dinesh on. I mean, I understand you're scraping the bottom of the barrel now, Steve. You yeah. know, you've gone through Matt Murphy. and it's All downhill from there. <laughs> Now, that's a, a great get, a great snag. Okay. Although um, I had Pamela right before you, so it's questionable who's the downhill yeah, slide. Well, that's, <laughs> I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Police State, you've seen it. I saw it, yeah. Recommend great. it? Yeah, yeah. I saw it uh, on the, on my TV, so biggest screen as I was going to find, so I don't know if it makes a difference. But um, Nick Searcy uh, plays a, uh, what would you call it, a, a, a fictionalized version of the FBI's problems, but then there was real people on there like Kyle Serafin and Steve Friend who are FBI whistleblowers that have gone before Congress. They have also been on my show. Steve's been on three times. 
So is it a doc? Is it is it a documentary? It's like a infotainment documentary. So he sits down, he talks to real live people, especially the aunt of the J Sixer who killed himself. And so you're getting this drama, this you know Dateline NBC type of show. But then there's some fiction in there that makes it movie worthy, where Nick Searcy plays the FBI uh, field agent who's basically saying we're going full bore, we're going to drag him out in front of the cameras, we're going to make a show of it to try to get the perception. And that's where Steve Friend and Kyle Serafin come in where they were giving consultation as to here's how it works. So it's a combo. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's entertainingly enough to get you through the two hours, but yet there's real documentarian facts in there, almost like a Roger and me. What's better. the um, – t- tell me about the premise behind Police Day. What What is the – What's yeah, the concept? Behind? I shouldn't spoil alert my show because it's in there, but I literally yeah, well, ask him, you know, the, the name of it is police state and the tagline is, are we living in its police state? Are we? And his answer is, yeah, we're getting darn close. It's not North Korea, but they are spying on us. They are using the weaponization of the government to go after innocent people, whether they be here in Tennessee praying in front of a Planned Parenthood or texting your friend about January 6th or whatever the case may be. They're also picking winners and losers when they do it, too. That's been America's problem for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking Wall Street and the rest. But, yeah, but in terms of who's going to be prosecuted versus right. who's going to get away with it, you betcha. That's the police state premise. How right? did you find Dinesh? Uh, you mean my... Yeah, just I, just from a personality standpoint. Oh, oh I thought you meant how did you get him on the show? Oh, no, no, um, no, no. Oh, no, he's just... brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant and very kind. He's cut up the show into clips and put it on his social media. He's got a bigger presence than I do. Um, uh, glad to be back on it. Uh, he is – I, I kind of thought I was out of my league. I probably am. I probably – well, let's be honest. I was out of my league. He's brilliant, right? The dude was you know, born in Mumbai, moved to America, worked with Ronald Reagan, the guy – and has now come out of his eight-month prison sentence where he was politically targeted. Probably the first one, him and the guy with the Benghazi video where they said it was the video's fault, not all the stuff that we've now learned about the Benghazi attack. Mm-hmm. Those two were the first political hit jobs about the First Amendment. He came back stronger than ever, you know, like a superhero saying that if I quit, they win, so I'm coming back. And now he's had like eight movies, ten books, speaking circuit a brilliant, brilliant guy who can talk firsthand about the first, second, fourth, 18th Amendment. And he can talk firsthand about what he believes to be a police state in as much as he has been politically persecuted. I mean, I had forgotten that he spent time in jail until you mentioned it during the break. Yeah, and he mentioned it on the show. And I, I was, I asked him and he said, no holds barred to ask me whatever you want. So he, he was very generous with that. Yeah, I did eight months, looked around, said, gosh, a lot of these people have absolutely no... Uh, recourse. They can't go to their politicians. They can't go to the police. They can't get a lawyer. They can't do what you would normally do to defend yourself against this Leviathan, the big bad state. And this was this was a long time ago, right? This is during the Clinton administration, and I guess the Obama administration is the one who actually lashed out at him about his movie. Um, and here he is now today with a brand new movie where he's actually. Moving the needle and, and making people aware. That was one of the sad things, though, is I asked him, are you getting support? I always ask this. Are you getting support? We have a majority in, in Congress that are Republicans, some of which are in your movie. Are they doing anything? And it, you know, it wasn't a very optimistic answer is that they are. Certainly not about 2,000 mules uh, since the election is coming very soon uh, next year, well, next month, really. Um, we'll have uh, Iowa caucuses. In uh, let, let's, move forward the, let's move forward to that because – I. It occurred to me I was 
doing some work last night, and I read an article in which someone said, well, you know, we've got the best candidate for us in 2024 in Donald Trump. They've got the worst candidate for them in Joe Biden, should he be the candidate. I maintain that they're going to figure it out, um, but they have a very narrow window, in my opinion. I don't think they can wait until a convention. I think they would have such a an, an uproar. I think there would be a backlash on them to the point that it would almost guarantee a Republican victory if that Republican's Trump. And the article was surrounding the premise that, well, even if all of these dynamics come together in a way that we believe it will, they'll steal it anyway. They could. But I believe that's on us to yeah. prevent the same type of shenanigans that went on in 2020. We have to be dedicated to the task ahead to ensure that these things don't happen again. And if they do happen again, we can't fault blinders because we clearly see how they accomplished some of these tasks in 2020. And a lot of that surrounded the COVID pandemic. Well, okay. All right. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. And I've had the guy on Patrick Kolbeck who wrote the book 2020 coup, who actually basically discovered that there are Wi-Fi chips inside voting machines. Okay. So if we go by the premise that you're talking about is like, Oh, the majority rules and they will win if they come out in force. Well, Trump had the most presidential votes for a Republican in the history of the Republican Party that came around when Lincoln was president, right, back in the Civil War. So he did his job. He got more people to the polls than any Republican ever before, and they still swamped him by a couple million fake ballots, if you believe that. Some people don't. Sure. I personally do. And then you have to say, wait a minute. All the promises that Trump made during his campaign and then what he said he'd do during the four years and then what he said he might do with the next four years, did he do it? I don't know. Is, well, he, the perfect, I mean, is he the perfect candidate to win as a Republican or is he the perfect candidate to fix all of these problems? There isn't such a person. Well, I, I would agree with that. And I, I do believe he was earnest in his desire to, as he put it, drain the swamp and to correct some of the bureaucratic fired one guy eras. However, no one ever suggested that the swamp wouldn't fight back. And I think the swamp most certainly did fight back. And they they staved him off and they used fake stories and, you know, the Russian collusion nonsense that stymied him for two plus years and got him off his game. If you believe, like me, that he was dedicated to the task, he certainly didn't accomplish the task. And and that's where I think 2020 comes in is that they had no interest these embedded agencies like the FBI, CIA, and other intelligence-gathering organizations, NSA, they had no interest in, in seeing him move that needle anyway toward doing what he said he wanted to do. And Dinesh said similar, and I think Trump is on record of saying similar, is that he did not think the swamp was that deep and that wide. He thought, oh, the president makes the agenda, just like at Trump. In a, um, you could hire and fire. You can do you know what you need and to do. And then he learned real quick, no. And now that's why they've got a hundred of his lawyers tied up in litigation to say like, well, if you were to win again, you're not going to have any support around you. What do you think the best prescription? I, I was describing it in the first hour, my grumpy hour. So I'm better now. <laughs> I was describing it in my first hour that, um, you know, a- as we move forward with Donald Trump, I, I think it, I think a couple of these issues, I think the New York case will be gone long before spring it seems or be maybe around spring. Apart, yeah. um i think the the florida case and the georgia case will be around but i think it's in his best interest to boot those until after the election cycle 
uh, because I have no faith that they are going to be fairly decided in their initial courts. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. I think they'll be able to do some kind of legalistic thing to push it off. But the ones that scare me are the ones where they're trying to keep them off the ballot, like Colorado. Mm-hmm. If they were to do that, obviously democracy is completely gone because but I, you're I, I messing think with too, the electoral college. I, would, you, would you agree with me if I said that's too in your face? No, because look at the the trials that you just mentioned for Trump. They, Hunter Biden is going to court for illegal possession of a firearm, and they have somehow been able to subpoena Trump himself to say that he and Barr and some other lawyers targeted the man for doing what he did. So they're not saying I'm innocent. They're saying you targeted me because otherwise you wouldn't even know about these things. So they're they're using the, the the media. They're using the spin cycle to be able to drag him into yet another front to have to fight publicly while you're supposed to be running for the Iowa caucuses or, mm-hmm. or, or the South Carolina primary. But at, at, it certainly bolsters his presence and it helps him. I mean, in the Unless primary, off the in, in the primary, if California says you can't vote for Trump, how's he going to win those? I don't, I see, I, I, and maybe I'm wrong. And they've it, done so many things they've never done before to a president and an ex-president. Why I think you, you get you get that to everything? you get that to the Supreme Court level, and they will destroy it. I, I mean, and maybe I'm being naive when I say that. Well, they, those they I mean, don't I treat don't, him very well either. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So it's a gamble, and I'd love it, but we're running out of time. There's only I, I would agree with you left. that I don't I don't put anything past California or Colorado or some of the other liberal states. They'll do whatever. I mean, they don't they don't have the respect for the law that Steve. I mean, they use that against us because they know that we do respect the rule of law. And that was my key point of today: is that the Supreme Court of Washington State is elected. They're not appointed like they are in Tennessee. So people don't even understand the mindset of what's it like to live in a state that has elected politicians who have to run for office and raise funds and whatever. And the answer is you get 93 – where is that statistic here? 93%. Look at all this paperwork. I know. I bring receipts because the mob goes crazy. They get mad when I say they instead of she or something. (laughs) 99% of significant contributions – towards the campaigns of winning state Supreme Court candidates were from progressive sources. Not 9%, not 19%, 99%. Is that I, in Washington? That's in Washington oh, yeah. State from 2013 to 2022. And if you get into the, the legislation that actually passed, it's all majority progressive None, stuff. None of our state Supreme Courts, and I know that we have precious little to do with how they set it up in Washington, but I would say this. I, I lived in Alabama. You know, I'm from Georgia, but I lived in Alabama for 20 years. And they elected their they elect their Supreme Court too in Alabama, and I hated it. Despite the fact that conservatives won more often than not, Republicans won I think every Supreme Court statewide Supreme Court election uh, while I was there for the twenty years I was there. But extreme amounts of money go into these races, and outside of identifying themselves as a Republican, th- this was I mean this environment that you're in, I would have them on, and I stopped. Because, you know, Steve Abramowitz would come on. He would present himself as a Republican candidate for, you know, the Alabama Supreme Court. And I would ask him about his position on the issues. And he wouldn't answer any question that I asked him saying, well, I can't answer that question. Uh, The judicial canon of ethics prevents me from doing so in case that there's a case coming before me. So I'm like, well, then. What are we doing here? Until, until it's poll tested, I can't tell you what we think. Right? Well, or, well, or, you or know, they hide behind that Williamson idea. Williamson County that- School Board used to be a nonpartisan race. Now, a couple of years ago, they became partisan. So you get Republicans running for that office who really aren't. But you only say so because they don't have a 
reason to say they're a Democrat because they'll know they'll lose in that county, that type of thing. So in Washington, you pretty much know who you're buying and what results you're going to get. And you can look at the six most important uh, cases that came out of there, healthcare, LGBTQ, you name it, that are not going to go the way a conservative would want them to go. Of the uh, of, of the items that Trump was able to accomplish during his years, I've, I'm on record as saying the and I don't I don't think it's close because everything that he was able to do has either already been undone by the Biden administration or could be undone uh, by future Congress and future presidents. But the three Supreme Court justices, I think, is clearly even if he somehow it's stymied and he doesn't become the 47th president of the United States after being the 45th, that legacy is so vital and important to the future of the republic would you agree 100 percent. yeah nope that is the long lasting one uh the only other one would have been fbi uh tenure you get when you're appointed fbi uh director you get 10 years when you're a supreme court it's life right and sure. you decide to step down uh ruth bader ginsburg went till the very last second so yes that is key if he would have been there another four years would he have been able to replace kenji jackson i think her name is yeah she would he would have so he right. would have definitely kept kept that for a generation to come longest lasting legacy you're going to get is supreme court same thing with uh, uh lb fdr and and lincoln uh, uh steve Obama was with us for one more segment we will continue the conversation right after this and i will ask him if uh he will be watching desantis versus newsom tonight if he's a glutton for punishment like yours truly back in a moment Hey there, it's Pamela Fur. I'm with WTN in Nashville, Tennessee. You're listening to the Mill Creek View podcast. Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Only like three minutes left. Steve Abra- Well, we've got another hour of of me and you. Steve only has about three minutes left. He's with uh, mcview.us. That's Mill Creek View, Tennessee. Um, other than Dinesh, Dinesh, it. why do I do that? Other than Sousa. Um, who else has been around recently on the podcast that you invite people to go and like? I know you want folks to see all of them, but John Schneider, Dukes of Hazard. It was on uh, Halloween Eve with the uh, trick or treaters ringing the doorbell in between. Uh, so yeah, he was great, fantastic show there. Uh, kind enough to put his on his Facebook with a million followers. Um, and I should mention one thing about Donald Trump: energy independence was probably the key to his real four years. I think that was great. And so one of my uh, P1 listeners, if you know what that means in the, in the business. I do. Maybe your listeners don't. But anyway, he has listened to everything, and he just texted me and told me Trump energy independence was a big deal. His name is Eddie, and Eddie's amazing. So thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Eddie, for um, for listening to Steve, and thanks for being a P1. I hope you're a P1 with us, too. P1, yes. P1 means loyal and dedicated in here every day. Um, so real quick, um, who, if you had the decision, who would you select as Trump's VP? If it were me, it would be Daryl Issa. Nobody even knows who that is, but he's a congressman. Uh, re- he's back again, look it up, in California, which could bring a heck of a lot of electoral votes or a Joni Ernst. But it's never anyone we know by name, at least the majority. If you look back on history, it's like, what? Mike Pence? Who's that? You just, you just don't know, but then they become vice president and they usually do a pretty good job if they're, if they're loyal. 
But see, you and I have such different ways of looking at this. You're like, this is the worst job in the world. I'm like, well, I think it's the best job. You don't have to do anything. You're, you- Warm bucket of spit, I think, is what it's been <laughs> defined as by other vice presidents in the past, like Spiro Agnew. Steve, it's always a pleasure when you stop by, man. Thank I you, appreciate sir. you. Keep listening. Uh, yeah, uh, mcview.us. That's mcview.us for more information about the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast. Good friend of the show. We'll be back another hour to go. We'll wrap it up right after this on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.